What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Through the Book right here on the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church right here in Jackson, Missouri. If you'd like more information on our church or if you're looking for a place to attend on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights, be sure to check out our website, nextlevelfreedomchurch.com for more information. Today we're going to be continuing our study through the book of Mark as we begin reading in Mark chapter 6 verses 31 to 44. And we're going to be talking about a very familiar story to those of you out there tuning today that we've heard probably maybe since you were a kid, if you've been to church or Sunday school at any time, or if you're one of those people that's never been to church, well, you're in the right place because you're getting ready to hear a story that maybe you don't know. It is where Jesus feeds the 5,000 people, but we're going to take a look at some different aspects of this story. We're going to look at about six different points, but I also want to talk to you about some other passages of Scripture where we've seen similar things happen throughout the Old Testament and right on into this New Testament story. So be sure to check that out. Once again, the website is nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. Let's get started. Mark chapter 6, we're going to be starting in verse 31 where we left off. And what I do want to do before we get started with that is remind you that we have been talking about the disciples and how Jesus had sent them out to do ministry, to cast out demons, to heal people, do miracles and things. Then all of a sudden it stopped. It talked about John the Baptist and Herod and the whole story about how John the Baptist was killed, only to jump back into this part of the story where the disciples have returned to Jesus, and now they're talking about the things that have happened. But as they're talking to Jesus about these things, we're finding that there is a crowd gathering, and Jesus is trying to take them to a private, secluded place, which we're going to talk about today, so they can actually get a bite to eat and so that he can teach them some more. Here is what happens. Picking up right there in verse 31 of Mark chapter 6, it says, Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even get a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. One thing I want to notice is we're going to stop right there for a minute is that you notice that even though there is a crowd drawing, which once again reflects on Jesus and his popularity, a swarm of excited fans continue to besiege Jesus, making it impossible for him and his disciples to take time to even eat. 
The relentless pursuit of Jesus is further proof of his immense superstar popularity. Not that Jesus is actually seeking that, but you got to remember because Jesus has done so many things to, in this area and during this time period, he has become a celebrity of sorts, not on purpose, not that he was trying to be a celebrity, but what he did was he brought the kingdom of God to earth. That's what we've been talking about throughout this entire study through the book of Mark. And here, once again, we notice the crowds just clinging to him, following him, now following his disciples because his disciples had just got done performing miracles, casting out demons. And they were telling Jesus about that right before we picked up where we left off. So they're trying to get away from the crowds. However, did you notice something about Jesus's attitude that we read in verse 34? It said, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. It does not show any irritation on Jesus's part. Basically, he ends up showing compassion to the crowd because they are like sheep without a shepherd. Let's continue reading there in verse 35. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This this is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? We notice here a question rising in the disciples as Jesus continues talking here to the people, and now the disciples are worried about them finding something to eat. Well, there's something I want to point out, and we're going to move on into some different points as we go, continuing the story. The first thing is that Jesus staggers them by ordering them to feed the crowd from their own scanty supply of food. If you remember earlier in the story, in this particular chapter, when he sent them out, he told them that when they went out on their mission to take no bread with them, but to live off the hospitality of others. Now, they are to return the favor for this crowd. This crowd is in a wilderness. It doesn't appear that there's anything going on or any food or anything. How are they going to feed these people? That's why they're trying to get Jesus to send these people away so that they can actually get something to eat. We also remember that Jesus instructed them earlier to to take no money with them. So where can they suddenly come up with the cash to feed all these people? I just thought it was... Uh, Something interesting to point out that the commentary was talking about here is the fact that both no food, they were told to take no food, and no money. And both of those are in this question that the disciples are asking Jesus. Well, Jesus says, you give them something to eat. And they're like, it's going to take a half a year's wages just to feed these people. How are we going to do that? Are we going to go spend that much money on bread? But remember, when Jesus sent them out just earlier in this chapter, which for us has been weeks ago, then now they're worried about having the cash to feed all these people. So where can they suddenly come up with the cash to feed all these people? Their squawking also reveals that they still have no inkling that Jesus has divine power to supply whatever they need. And just a thought for me, because I know how I reacted in certain situations like this. If they're sitting there with Jesus, either they don't know that he can do this, or maybe they do in his mind, so they're bringing up the question to see what he's going to do about it. Either way, at this point, at least in the scripture, it appears they have no clue that Jesus is going to be able to do what he's about to do as we read this story. Continuing there in verse 38, it says, How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. 
And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven and gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. And he also divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. Once again, that is simply the number of men. That's not counting women and children, because you got to remember in this day, they counted the men as that was how they kept count. They weren't worried as much about the children and the women, because I ain't going to say they weren't necessarily as important, but they didn't have the role of a man in that society. So that's why we notice when Scripture talks about men, like here, the number of men were 5,000. That's because in that day, that's how they numbered the people that were there. So if you include women and children, he could have fed, who knows, up to 25,000 people, just depending on how many kids and maybe wives that each of these people had. We don't really know that fact, but what we do know is that there were 5,000 men here. So this story brings out about six things, and I want to hit on these fairly quickly because I do like to keep these shows around 15, and sometimes it ends up being 15 to 17 minutes. But for the sake of time, I do have some other scriptures I want to read with you, but I'm not going to read all of the ones I could read, which we'll talk about that as we go. The first point we notice is that it recalls God's miraculous provision of food. This has happened in the Old Testament. Many of you may not be aware of that, but we are going to take a look at some of the story, a couple of those stories today. But something I want to read you, though, is out of Isaiah 55. And we're going to read verses 1 and 2. It says, Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. Now, there's a couple of different layers here that we want to peel back here. The first thing we see that they are being satisfied in the natural. Jesus is naturally satisfying their hunger by giving them something to eat. But the first thing we notice and the first type of feeding that we see happens in this story is that when they arrive on the shoreline, you see Jesus, instead of, he could have been irritated. These people just won't leave me alone. He could have been like that. He wasn't. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and he begins to teach them. So that is the first type of feeding that we see pointed out in this story because Jesus is going to feed them the bread of life. Only the spread offered by Jesus in the desert can satisfy human needs. Jesus brings life-giving bread with an abundance of leftovers. His disciples feed and serve others. We're going to notice the leftovers. We're going to talk about that here a little bit in just a minute. But notice that when Jesus feeds, especially spiritually, there's more than enough to go around. And this is what's being demonstrated in the physical world during this miracle is that he has enough to feed others. Uh, the second point we see here is that the feeding recalls the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and they're being fed in the desert. One particular story that I would like to point out here comes out of Numbers chapter 11 
And we're going to look. This is right after the people have been complaining. They've got manna to eat. God brings it to them every morning. Now they're complaining because they don't want manna. They want meat. And so God's getting ready to give them meat. And he basically tells Moses, get them ready because tomorrow they're going to eat. But it's not just going to last a day or two or even five or ten or twenty. It's going to last a whole month. Now you got to think of what Moses is thinking here, which is what we're going to read. When God says to tell the people this, Moses comes back with a question. And this is in Numbers chapter 11. We're going to look at verses 21 and 22 real quick. And then we'll jump into verse 23 here shortly. But it says, But Moses said, Here I am among 600,000 men on foot. And you say I will give them meat to eat for a whole month. Would they have enough if flocks and herds were slaughtered for them? Would they have enough if all the fish in the sea were caught for them? So something we notice here is, once again, some of you may have noticed the 600,000 men, that's not counting women and children, are on foot there. And Moses is like, how are you going to feed all these people for a month? Are there even enough flocks and herds to feed these people? And here's the way the Lord responds to this. I want to go ahead and read verse 23. The Lord answered Moses, Is the Lord's arm too short? Now you will see whether or not what I say will come true for you. And for those of you who are familiar with the story, you know that God provided quail, so many quail, that they were eating meat for a month. And God said, you're going to eat so much meat, you're going to get sick of meat because all you did was complain about not having meat. When I've been feeding you in the wilderness all this time is what God was getting at. If you want to read that story for yourself, it's in Numbers chapter 11. I'm going to say go ahead and read the whole chapter, but it starts talking about the quail in verse 4. And you can just read down through all of that. There's a conversation which we just kind of read, at least Moses' response to the Lord's calling. And so the Lord has done this before. This is not a new miracle. This is something God's done before. Moses questioned, how am I going to feed this many people? God said, trust me. And then notice God's question, is the Lord's arm too short? Now you're going to see whether or not what I say is going to come true. Many of us would do good to remember that in our daily walk. If God's asked us to do something, he's going to see that something fulfilled regardless of what the situation looks like. And in Moses' situation, just like the feeding of 5,000 here, looked impossible. But here's what happened as the story, today's story. Jesus quickly organized the shepherdless throng and make them sit in groups in rectangular section, which makes it easier to feed them in an orderly fashion. So Jesus brought order to the chaos. He told the disciples, have them set in groups that organized, that brought order to chaos. The uh, third thing we notice here in today's story is that Jesus has brought the disciples across the sea to this place to give them rest. And God's provision of rest in the desert is a reoccurring theme in scripture. And there are several places, some of them, Psalm 95, 7 through 11, Isaiah 63, 14, Jeremiah 31, 2, Hebrews 3, 7 through 4, 13 are just a few of the places that the commentary list for examples we're not going to go there today for the sake of time the fourth thing we notice here is that psalm 23 also reverberates in the account of the feeding of the 5,000? jesus has compassion on the people because they were like sheep without a shepherd and his actions reflect the first line of the psalm which is the lord is my shepherd the principal task of a shepherd is to bring sheep to food and to water. So Jesus is feeding them not only naturally, but he's feeding them spiritually. Most importantly, however, Jesus restores their soul and guides them to on the right in the right paths 
by teaching them. We are actually going to close today's show in just a minute. We're going to read Psalm 23, so I'm not going to go there now because I want to make sure I get through all this because we're running short on time. I know we're starting to, we've gotten past the 15 minute mark. The fifth thing we notice here is a fifth biblical echo comes from the Elijah-Elisha cycle. And what do you mean by that? Well, Elijah provided miraculously for the widow of Zarephath and meditated divine power by raising her son from the dead. Elisha fed a guild of a hundred prophets and twenty barley loaves over his servants' objections. We're going to read that story here real quick. Here, Jesus feeds 5,000 people with five loaves. If we are meant to recall the works of these sainted prophets of old, we see that Jesus is one greater than Elijah and Elisha here. Well, I'm just going to read you an example story from 2 Kings chapter 4. This is Elisha has risen um, the widow's son from the dead. And this is on down, and it's kind of its own section in 2 Kings 4. We're going to look at verses 42 to 44 real quick. It said, A man came from Baal... Shalisha. Sorry, I'm not good on that pronunciation, but bringing the man of God 20 loaves of barley bread baked from the first ripe grain, also with some heads of new grain. Give it to the people to eat, Elisha said. Verse 43 says, How can I set this before a hundred men? His servant asked. But Elisha answered, Give it to the people to eat, for this is what the Lord says. They will eat and have some left over. Then he set it before them, and they ate and had some left over, according to the word of the Lord. Sound familiar? Sounds just like today's story. So the thing I want to point out is, this is nothing new. This has happened in history before. Moses saw it. Elijah, Elisha, different prophets have saw it. Isaiah, we talked about his prophecy. Come who are thirsty, even if you don't have any money. Come, come, come. The Lord can feed you, basically. Jesus is feeding them here in Mark chapter 6. And there's one more point I want to point out, and then we're going to read Psalm 23 to close out the day. It says, finally, the feeding account is a foretoken of the Last Supper in Mark. The action is taking bread, giving thanks, breaking it, and giving it to the disciples. Matches his action at the Last Supper. So those same actions are seen at the Last Supper, even in the book of Mark. The abundance of food left over after feeding 5,000 means that there is more to go around and much more where it came from. Mark does not refer to the astonishment of the crowd, which normally accompanies his miracles. Do they even know that the miracle had occurred? And what the commentary is getting at there, the author of the commentary is getting at there, is do the people even know? Was this a miracle that kind of happened? Because we noticed, there's, at least Mark doesn't talk about the crowd's reaction. Do they even know it, it happened? Or is it something that just kind of happened and the people thought that they just had food and here it was? Whatever the case, the disciples saw the miracle regardless. So... Just stuff to think about when you're looking at this passage of Scripture. I know we are running out of time here. I do want to read Psalm 23 real quick as we get ready to close here in just a second. And here is what it says. Psalm 23, and this is the King James Version because I like the flow of it, the poetry of it. But it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. Or they comfort me. Thou preparedest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord 
forever. And that is a psalm that we often hear read at funerals, but I'm here to tell you that's more of a praise song psalm than a funeral song. And it's talking about how the Lord is our shepherd. He's the one that provides for us. And notice the similarities here. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So he feeds the people, but he also makes them to lie down in green pastures. Leadeth them beside the still waters. Restoreth my soul. Leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And you can read the whole thing again on your own. That's Psalm 23. Just read the whole thing. It's only six verses. But we notice that similarity in today's story as well. That's it for today's show. I know we kind of went a little bit over, or probably right at a little bit over 20 minutes. So sorry about that, guys. Hope you hung with it. I hope you got something out of today's show. I'll see you next week as we continue going through the book of Mark. God bless you guys, and we'll see you then.